for the first time, I was kind of bothered by how long this might last. Up until today, I was just kind of like, yep, we can do it. But then it's like, how long are we not going to see our families for? May 22nd. Oh, I see the... Our not in Ontario is 1.06. And that shouldn't come as a surprise, really, because... Not good news. The numbers of new cases per day are have been trending upwards over the past few days. Yes, they have. We've 441 new cases so today. We've been stuck over 400 for the last three or three days now. Yeah, so it's... Not good. Some people are, I guess, you were saying, was it David Fisman who even said that it's Mother's Day? I think I read an article where he was quoted as saying, this. we're hoping right now, the best hope is that it's a Mother's Day blip, <laughs> that a whole yeah. bunch of people did kind of what Doug Ford did, and we're going to see it go up for a little while, and then it just and it'll then hopefully come down again, but not good. No, it's not good, but if it is just a blip then I mean that's quite a warning yeah but also Mother's Day if people got together for Mother's Day in homes yeah without masks that is the highest risk activity that you can partake in yeah inside not social distanced without masks so 100% there would be transmission there. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. But then we also have people moving. We also have the whole cottage thing. Everybody's going to the cottages. And there that were reports of a lot of parties happening in May 2-4 up in Muskoka. Right. Yeah, I guess we don't know. The... Yeah, I guess we don't know. That I mean, that is the point. We don't know where most of the transmission is happening. And I think I read David Williams talked about it today, saying they're now, I can't believe this hasn't hadn't happened yet, but apparently now they've asked public health units to ask <laughs> for more information. <laughs> like after all this time, oh they're finally trying to... <laughs> What the hell is going on? They, yeah. Anyways, they're going to try to figure out where this is, where the transmission because is happening. Because I read somewhere, and I'm going to need to be fact-checked on this, uh-huh. that, like, we don't know where three-quarters of our cases yeah. come from. Yeah, something like that. I mean, and that's what is concerning to everyone, and so they're finally trying to say, maybe we should ask where they think they might have got it from, like. We should be collecting this information and linking yeah. it to the record so that you can, like, do statistics on it. And So that leads nicely into Michael Warner, Dr. Michael yeah. Warner's yeah. interview with the Toronto Star the other day. He is the head of intensive care at Michael Guerin Hospital, where both of our children were born. Yeah. And he gave an interview to the Toronto Star where he basically said that Everybody in Ontario is sacrificing and our public health machine has wasted that time. 
it underscores what I Irfan Dalla said as well. The same same sort of idea. Like we're all, yeah. And so he spoke about how at his hospital, when they have a COVID case and they are pretty yeah. sure it's a COVID case, they don't have to wait for the test to come back for it to be an official case. Yeah. The doctors send it to a team at the hospital and the team starts calling people and they beat public health every single time by days Yeah, to, to the do the contact tracing. Yeah, to the point where some of their, I guess some of these patients have to come in and like three days or four days later, they'll come in and they'll find out they still haven't been followed up by with public health after mm -hmm. they've been called from Michael Garrett Hospital three days ago or something. Yeah, so so the the target, I think he was the one that said that we have this target of 90%. Oh, yeah, he called that mediocre. Mediocre. It's, yeah, the 90% target. So the right now, Ontario Health, Ontario Public Health is trying to hit 90% of cases do contact tracing for 90% of those cases within 24 hours of a positive test result. And that's pretty mediocre is what he's saying because you really most doctors would know e well well before you have the result. You could be doing far you could be doing 90% within that kind of uh what would it be called a, like a likely case, right? Mm -hmm. Like as soon as you have a likely case, you could do you could you should be I mean, I'm making mm -hmm. this up now, but you could yeah. have a target that's based on that, which would be way more proactive than mm -hmm. waiting for a positive test result and then starting your process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. So for so long, we've been locked down and like nothing's really been getting better in terms of our public health. Like just yeah. or mu like so we increase capa testing capacity a lot, but. It's not being used. Yeah, because we're not act. I think it sounds like they're not actively going out and trying to. Like people think they can't get tests and there's uh, no surveillance yeah. in place. So we have this testing capacity that we're not even using right now. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Doug Ford now. I mean, I think they now are getting ready to go in kind of random testing in places and. There's um, <coughs> there's dispute over the value of testing asymptomatic people. Yeah. <coughs> because false negatives are higher. Yeah. I mean, false pause weight. False. Maybe both. <laughs> I don't remember which it is. That's the biggest concern. I mean, you're worried most about fa false negatives. If you give someone a negative test result, but they are actually they actually have it. That's mm -hmm. the worst case scenario. If you give someone the opposite, it's not that like. Unless it's in a healthcare worker, and you're I taking guess. a healthcare worker out. Right. Pre for yeah. a false positive, that does matter in I a long-term care home. I see. Yeah. Okay. So, it is, it is debated every time I see it mentioned. Some people are very, very for it, yeah. and some people are like, "This does not make any sense. The numbers don't work." asymptomatic testing right so yeah that kind of seems to be what the zeitgeist is 
saying these days is that we we locked down, we did our part, and public health didn't step up. And when I say public health, I do not know who what? I am referring to. <laughs> I am not sure if I'm talking about yeah. Public Health Ontario, an entity which I do not understand, or am I talking about the Ministry of Health, or am I talking about local public health units, or am I talking about... I have no idea. Yeah, it's, pr it's true. They don't so explain that part that's of, part of the problem. There's this one anonymous public health official on Twitter, and oh. he gripes a lot, uh -huh. especially about flack that public health is getting. Right. And then, and he keeps saying things like, that's not our job in public health. And it's like, well, if it's not your job, Who whose job is it? Let's figure out how someone like, can do that job. Let's figure out <laughs> whose job it is and then get, so I feel like there are very yeah. important jobs, like possibly like testing itself. Yeah. Like I feel like maybe testing is not public health's job. Right. Um, contact tracing is their job and figuring out who to test might be their job, but doing yeah. the actual testing maybe is not their job. I don't know. I'm making this up a bit, but knows, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And so I think public health is being stretched thin and being asked to cover a lot of things that they wouldn't. They normally. wouldn't normally. So I don't, when I say public health, I just am referring to the entire public health response by the province covering whatever organizations it would have to cover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, well, I think everyone s is starting to recognize, is getting on the same page recognizing this. There's all, like, a lot of experts have written op-eds basically saying the same thing in the last couple of days. Every or like I see people like David Fisman kind of saying the same thing oh, over and over. David Fisman had an an op-ed in the Globe and Mail. Everybody, right. go read that. Go, which we couldn't read, but no, I did. That read one it. you did read. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. oh, good. I mean, it just says all the things that we say because we say what he says <laughs> already. So none of it's news, but yeah, still. But go there's read a it. convergence. There's definitely. I think this is one of the neat things. The power of writing like the the if you see something happening in society and you don't like it you write an op-ed i think this is a really it shows the power of a newspaper still right like when you see Toronto star globe and mail national post like these op-ed writers that are deep in this mm-hmm epidemiologists or doctors people running hospitals you take their opinion seriously and if you get two or three people saying kind of the same thing like hey what's going on here you can mm -hmm. see that it's having an effect on leadership mm -hmm. and like the next day you see Doug Ford kind of angry about the same thing that the op-ed writers were angry about right it's like it has a very direct quick impact yes see we say it, and then the op-ed <laughs> people say it, and then Doug Ford says it. Because we're the thought leaders. So we are the thought leaders That's here, right. guys. Yeah. But the thing that I think worries me, so contact tracing is, is something that worries me. I think more, more than that is the, the plan. So it's like we jumped the, g it, it's becoming clear. Well, I guess we don't know if there was a Mother's Day blip 
let's assume for the moment that there wasn't a Mother's Day blip, but numbers are going up a little bit. Like, it seems like we've jumped the gun on this. On reopening. On reopening Mm -hmm. things up again. But there's this enormous momentum. Like, I'm feeling it even more today than I did. I think I I mentioned this the last time we talked about this. But, like, I'm seeing emails now from UHN and University of Toronto, and everyone's basically making plans on how to reopen you know, yeah. like like they're putting things into motion and it's... But making plans of how to reopen is different than reopening. I know. And I don't know that we jumped again, like, because the reopening that's happened is still small. Yeah. I think we should definitely not be opening more. I think... It's not so much the reopening specifically. It's that... It's like it's it's inevitably in our belief system as to how serious the problem is. Yes. It like is in it's just so closely linked to oh that we've been dealing with this problem for a long time. It should be just about done now. Right. And get back it's just to it. About done. But that we ha- like there hasn't like they need to communicate. I don't even know if it's possible to communicate that because people are getting. I think there's like fatigue, right? Like you yeah. just don't want to pay attention to this anymore. Yeah. You want to just move on and like. Yeah. I'm feeling that too. Yeah. But right now, I would say right now. Okay. We are like the same risk that we were at the beginning of April. Yeah. We have the same number of cases and we're trending upward. Like we peaked so around at the beginning of April when we were on max lockdown. Yeah. That is now where we are again. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Exa- but that's how do you convey that to people? But I think we can't. We can't be on max lockdown because we're not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna make it. Yeah. We need. We just need to figure out things, prioritize the things we can do that are low risk. Yeah. And we need to do those things and we need to see how it goes. Yeah. No, I see that. But you, but we need people to do that with an understanding, with a clear understanding of what the risk is, right? Like that, yeah. that this is the status. Like we haven't beat this thing. We're far from having beaten it. But like. I guess we have flattened the curve, but it, the curve can just come it, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feelings? So many feelings today. Yeah. I'm getting really tired of lockdown. Yeah. It's getting very hard. And today was strangely hard because my mom came to visit. We did a outdoor social distance visit. And uh, we haven't seen her in like two and a half months. She used to come every week. <sighs> but... And she came and it was great and we spent time outside, but like it was also super weird because we didn't hug her and she couldn't cuddle Caden and it was just 
made me think for the first time I was kind of bothered by how long this may last up until today I was just kind of like yep we can do it but then it's like how long are we not going to see our families for It sounds like in some other provinces they are allowing like two households to bubble together and up to three bubbles in some places. But I mean, these are provinces that have like a handful of cases, right? Like they mm -hmm. they're not in the hundreds of new cases a day. Yeah. Like yeah. so, they they're now thinking. But I I think if we it feels like that should be something that's possible without, you know, before we get to the vaccine. Vaccine. Yeah. Oh, speaking of vaccine, Wired has a really fabulous article about how vaccines are made. Nice. You should go read that, too. Okay. Okay. I think that's... How do you feel? Oh, how do I feel? Um, I think the I the in uh, what is it inefficiency that that like just getting work done is starting to weigh on me, and it's like building up the thing I, the list of things I'm behind on now is getting bigger. Just because, yeah, just working from home is inefficient. Isn't everybody's though? Yeah, in theory. Yeah. Except for maybe people without children. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. People without children or with grown grown children, like people without young children, I think might be, you know, might be able to work pretty effectively. Yeah. Yeah. The problem isn't working from home. The problem is lack of childcare. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Even though. We, I'm not working, and so I am <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> supposed to be able to do childcare, but it doesn't work like that in this house. Uh -huh. It's more than a one person job. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. I think we're done. Well, that's two tired people wrapping <laughs> up. I have Jokey kind joke. of a joke. My friend Jane sent. Oh, nice. Where? There we go. Okay. It says, let's say one person who's convinced of misinformation on average convinces three others. This means R naught equals three. But if you teach just 67% of people basic epidemiology statistics, you can get an R naught of less than one containing the infodemic. This is called. Nerd immunity. <laughs> That's a good one. Yep. There you go. Nerd immunity. Educate your friends. Nerd immunity. Okay. Good night. Good night.